the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Enlightening the sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. All right, it is 934. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, we got Congressman Jim Jordan coming up here in just a couple of minutes. I'm looking forward to that. Alejandro Mayorkas will be one of the topics of conversation because the should-have-been-impeached Director of Homeland Insecurity um, escaped thanks to four pathetic, feckless rhino Republicans who refused to vote to uh, to impeach him on the House side. Now st- sitting up there, uh, you know, just like the cat that ate the canary on uh, Meet the Press, talking about how only Congress can fix the broken immigration system. It's not our fault. It's not President Biden's fault. It's not my fault. It's not our fault. It was a broken system, and Congress needs to fix it. Really? If it was such a broken system, why did we have the best border control that we have had in 45 years during the Trump term? Congress didn't do squat with that. Those were executive orders, all of which were repealed by executive order of Joseph R. Biden. So this is what you get when you let these people off the hook. And that's what happened. And I'm not going to stop shouting out their names, and I don't think you should either. Tom McClintock, Ken Buck, and Mike Gallagher, the three members who voted against him. People are looking at uh, Blake, and Blake did not uh, do this um, for any other reason, he actually voted, uh, you know, not to impeach, and then to, and then changed his vote because he needed to hold the place, as I understand it, for Steve Scalise's return this week. Hopefully, and they can have another vote. But I'm told Jim Jordan is on the uh, on the line now, so let's welcome Congressman Jordan, Fourth Congressional District Representative and Chairman of the House Judiciary Committee on AM 1420. The answer with us, Congressman. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Appreciate you coming on as always. Any you Super bet. Bowl hangover from the Jordan House or? <laughs> No, no, we're fine. Did you? Uh, we're did, you fine. Did, did you? Did you? Did you watch it? Uh, I, I have a hard time watching yeah. the woke, the woke bowl, but uh. yeah, it. Uh, yeah, we did. Uh, uh, we watched the game. It, it's sort of an American thing. You got you got to watch the, you got to watch at least some of the games. So we did. I, and, uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I do. I peek in on it from time to time, but I just can't make myself uh, watch it. If I was a Nielsen house, I wouldn't <laughs> even, have, even have turned the TV on. Not a chance. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, there are some things you just kind of have to uh, wean yourself off of, and that that is one of them for me. Okay, let's get into the business at hand here. Let's, last week, uh, Robert Hur, the special counsel, released his report uh-huh. and said, uh, everybody knows what he said, but just for the sake of summary, uh, said that President Biden did willfully break the law in uh, keeping those classified documents from when he was vice president. He shared classified information with his ghostwriter, and it's all wrong, and it's all willful, yeah, but we're not going to charge. Right him because we don't think yeah. we'd be able to convict him because he's this elderly old man with a bad memory. So, Congressman, my question for you is, with that information having been made public, um, is it not incumbent now on the Attorney General to either acknowledge his frailness and thus invoke the 28th Amendment, uh, 25th Amendment, excuse me, or yeah. acknowledge, you yeah. know, that that report is wrong, he's perfectly fine, in which case he must stand trial for those charges. Doesn't he have to do one of those two things? Well, that, that's, that's 
sort of the logical way to, way to look at things. Uh, and I think Senator Hawley uh, said as much. Uh, and I think a lot of people are thinking just what you, what you described, uh, Bob. So, uh, I, I do think it's, it's interesting though that it's, it's, it's sort of one or the other, as you said. But when you think of the intent, the willfulness, it was, it was, it was systematic. It was over time, uh, both while he was a senator, while he was vice president. And as I read through the report, it seems to me he kept classified information in, if I counted it right, like nine different locations. So he had it at the Penn Center, the Biden Penn Center. Uh, he had it at the University of Delaware. He had the beach house at his home, but in his home it was in the garage. It was in the closet in the garage. It was in the, the, the library, the den, a bedroom. I mean, when I, when I told up, I think it was like eight or nine different locations. And you're thinking like, wait, wait a minute. This is like just sort of he intentionally did it. And it was also reckless the way he stored it all over the place. So, um, yeah, it seems like it's got to be one or the other. We're, we're going to have uh, we're going to have Mr. Her in for a hearing. Where we'll be able to ask him questions and, and delve deeper into this. Um, we think that's coming in a couple of weeks, but uh, haven't haven't pinned that down for sure yet. What does it say to you the fact that he went out there and threw that hastily scheduled press conference together, got really really visibly angry, and then just lied to the American people through his teeth on television, saying to them that he found that I did not willfully uh, 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 take these these documents, and he cleared me completely, and he cited two different pages which spoke to specific yeah. documents. But but and, and then lied and said everything that I had was was either locked up or able to be locked up. Well, the report showed pictures of the boxes, the the, the yeah, ratty, rotten, rotten old cardboard boxes that really didn't even have bottoms in them. In them, you know, you couldn't pick them up. They had to transfer yeah. them from one to another. He just lied to the American people about everything the special counsel said. Not to mention, of course, what he, the reality of his actual mental acuity right now. Yeah. Well, it shouldn't surprise us that he wasn't saying things, that, that he was saying things that weren't accurate. I mean, he did that all during the campaign. And, of course, the biggest thing he did, and we've talked about it numerous times, is, is when he said that uh, he had nothing to do with his son's business and that he cited then the, the letter that the 51 Intel officials uh, had, had written where they, where they downplayed the, the laptop and said it was a Russian information operation, which we know it wasn't. So it's not the first time he hasn't been square with the American people. Um, yeah, I think the country sees it, sees it you know, just the way you and I do. And that press conference, Oh my goodness, that was, I don't know, maybe he, maybe he just demanded that he go out and do the press conference, but I gotta believe some of his, some of his staff were saying, no, 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 we don't want to do this, uh, we don't want you going out there because I thought that looked, uh, particularly bad. Even Democrat strategists, Democrat operatives, if you saw after he made his presentation, um, just, just, you know, they were honest, they said, well, this was not a good night for, for, uh, for President Biden. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think he demanded to go out there, and how dare they, you know, this is a special counsel uh, report that I'm not sharp and that I forgot when I was vice president and I forgot when my son yeah. died, and so how dare he? And then he went out there and, and exhibited that very lack of memory that her was talking about. First of all, the confusion between the president Mexico. of Mexico yeah. and, yeah, right, uh, Egypt, and, and, and Egypt. Egypt. Yeah. Uh, but also the part about, yeah. you know, his son. He was like, you know, really, really pausing directly to make it, how dare you, because it was the most emotional time of my life, blah, 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 about his son. And of course, I'm sure it was, but then he said, I wear this yeah. rosary, which I got from Our Lady of... Uh, well, anyway, yeah. he couldn't remember. Yeah. That's the point. Right. And this is a, you know, yeah. he demonstrated that for for everybody. Uh, and, and now, of course, he still wants to do this for another five years, the rest of this year and four yeah. more after it. It makes no sense at all. Um, Congressman, yeah. uh, you have a response to that? Go ahead, sir. I, would, I was just going to say, one of the things that really concerns me now, and it's like, you know, I've been in an elective office for a number of years, and you, know, you, you, you see a lot of different things. But for the first time, I'm actually nervous. And as I think one of my one of our colleagues said, you know, that our, our our foreign adversaries see exactly what we saw, 
uh, when he did that press event. Um, but I'm nervous because there's no real leadership in this town right now. And it's, and it's, it's scary because, you know, you, leadership matters. And we all know that, whether it's a company, whether it's a, a, a sports team, whatever, uh, leaders who can make decisions and do things in the right way and, and understand how to lead. And right now, I just, I just feel like the, the, our commander-in-chief, it's like that's what makes me more nervous maybe than anything else. I mean, we've talked about all the issues, all the things this administration screwed up. We've talked about the weaponization of government, which I think is really, really serious. But when you break it all down, it's like you've got a commander-in-chief, a president of the United States, who just doesn't look like they know how to lead and make the decisions that need to be made when you're in that most important position. That is scary for the country, and it's, and it's why I'm so determined to do everything we can to make sure that, you know, do, to, to help President Trump win, because there's a guy who knows how to lead and can make it. Let's talk about um, the vote, the the impeachment vote for Mayorkas. We finally got the vote, sure. and we got there, and, and we couldn't even come together as a Republican uh, caucus and say, uh, we are all united in this. This has got to stop. Three members uh, specifically said no on the impeachment. Um, and now Mayorkas sits up there and, and says, and by the way, I've got, what do what what the latest numbers say here? Um, I literally just saw this last night as I was preparing today's show and not watching the Super Bowl. Over 1.5 million migrant encounters have been recorded by Customs and Border Patrol since April of 2023, which is the last time that Mayorkas declared that the border is secure. So that was the last yeah. time he made that public statement, April yeah. of 23, one and a half million since that time. And he's blaming um, Congress and saying Congress has to fix this. And I'm trying to figure that yeah. out, Congressman. What are your thoughts on the fact that we couldn't even get a vote in the House with our slim majority well, uh, uh, to, to impeach him? A couple things relative to that, legis- uh, to, to that statement by uh, Secretary Marcus. We passed a bill a year ago that actually would, if, if implemented and followed, and that's sort of the big problem, is I don't know if the Biden administration wants to follow the law, even if we pass that good law, if, if, that, if, if that got to the Senate. But the Senate is yet to take it up. So for him to blame Congress when the House has passed legislation that is good border security, immigration enforcement legislation, it's just, it's just flat out wrong. Where was Chuck Schumer for the last year? Remember, Chuck Schumer and the Democrats in the Senate didn't get serious, even even talk about the border until they wanted the Ukraine money. And they said, oh, maybe the only way we can get this through the House is to tie it to security for our border if we're going to send 90-some million dollars, billion dollars, excuse me, to 60-some uh, of that to, to Ukraine uh, in a, in a, in a uh, emergency aid, uh, a foreign aid bill. So that, that's, they didn't get serious about this until then. And then you look at what they what they define as serious, this bill that came out in the Senate, and it's like, that's not even doing the job on the border. So, of course, we're for, uh, against that. It, it's, it's sort of frustrating to hear him now try to somehow blame it on Congress, particularly when that bill that we passed, H.R. 2, came through our committee. We, our committee worked a long time on that legislation, um, and, and we had uh, strong support for it uh, amongst Republicans here in the House. Yeah, and H.R. 2 was a very, very good bill, and it dealt with literally border security. And this is the part that's so frustrating, I think, for most Americans, Congressman Jordan, is the fact that they conflate border security with, quote, immigration reform. Border security yeah. is very specific to barriers and, and policy changes and, and Border Patrol agents and so on and so forth repelling the invasion at the border. That's border security, which is very different than immigration reform, which is amnesty, pathway to citizenship, uh, asylum for, for 20 yeah. million illegals and so on and so forth. 
and they say that it takes Congress to do that. Well, I suppose if you're going to try to, you know, legalize 20 million people, you're right. That does that is going to take congressional action. But securing the border takes nothing other than a president. We know because Trump's uh, executive orders secured it, and Biden's executive orders opened it. It is very yep. clear and it is very direct. And and for them to continue to say this is a congressional problem is more than disingenuous. It's 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 just flat out lying. Yeah, it's flat out wrong. It is it is flat out wrong, and uh, I don't know how many times we've talked about it, but it's it, it's I think always worth repeating. Day one, they made they made three decisions. The Biden administration: no more wall, no more remain in Mexico. Once you're here, you'll be released. They went to the catch and release program. So those three th- those three decisions, willfully, intentionally, deliberately made at the start of this administration, are why we are on pace to get to 12 million at the end of the Biden presidency. So that that is how serious this situation is. And then for them, for the, for the Senate to roll out this piece of legislation they did last week that would not address the problem, but would in fact send $60 billion of American tax money to Ukraine to help them with their border, for goodness sake, just doesn't make sense to, I think, most Americans. No, not at all. Do you th- now, will that be taken up? This uh, the sixty-seven to twenty-three, I think it passed. Uh, um, or, or yeah, I think is what it was. Um, on the Senate side, this yeah. uh, supplemental yep. for Ukraine, Israel, Hamas, and Taiwan. I think those are the four recipients of that ninety billion. Yeah. Not a nickel toward our own border security. Will the House take that up? Well, there's a few more. There's that was a procedural vote. There's a few more votes that have to happen that have to happen in the Senate before final passage. Uh, okay. When that plays out, I'm not sure because of all the the arc, kind of the archaic rules that the Senate has. But uh, that, I, that most people think it will pass at some point and come to the House. Uh, the only thing I think that the House is truly for is is aid for Israel, which is what I'm for. So I would want to pull out the aid for Israel, send it to Israel, and then not take up the rest of the package. Uh, is is how I hope Speaker Johnson, uh, uh, you know, will handle that that legislation. We unfortunately didn't get the Israel aid package done last week. We tried 14. to do it on suspension. Yeah. Fourteen of your a, colleagues, fourteen Republican colleagues, sided with the Democrats and would not give Israel the money on a standalone bill. What the, the, I, yeah. I, I went off on you, the Republican Party and the Republican congressional uh, uh, delegation yeah. there because of that. Fourteen of them. I mean, why can we not get the hell out of our own way? Yeah. Well, I, I wish we we could pass that one uh, to, to the in defense of those fourteen. Um, and I disagreed with it, but they were saying we should pay for for all foreign aid when you got and look I, I get that on a on a but I think we're at a point where we don't have the votes to get that through either body. Let's at least get aid to our, our best friend Israel. And here's to me the key distinction. Israel is our best ally and we know of course when we do send money to Israel, it's going to be used to actually kill the bad guys and protect Israel. It's not going to wind up in some Ukrainian oligarch uh, pocket like I'm uh, like I believe a lot of that money going to Ukraine uh, uh, winds up. So when you send it to Israel, it's going for Iron Dome, David Sling, these weapon systems. It's going to kill terrorists and to protect our friend and ally, the state of Israel, which is exactly what we want. So um, those 14, I think, felt that it needed to be offset. Um, but I think it's just critically important that you get the money to, uh, to Israel. I wonder how many of those 14 voted for the $60 billion last time. Or what has it been, $120, $130 billion or whatever we've already given to uh, Ukraine? I wonder how many of them wanted to make sure every nickel was co- accounted for and paid for before they... Well, in the House side, it, 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 in, in, and again, in fairness, Bob, in the House side, my guess is those 14 are, are consistent. Those are, those, are, those are good conservative Republicans. Um, I just, I just, you know, I'm a conservative Republican just like you are, but I, I disagreed on this, this one. But they, they, they were all 14... 
were probably all people who were against funding Ukraine, too. So they're, they're, they're solid on that issue. Well, I hope that is the case, because that would be very hypocritical otherwise. By the way, I've got two other quick questions for you, but going back sure. five yards here to the Mayorkas question, do, what, what's the status of Steve Scalise, and will there be another vote on that this week? My understanding is, is Steve will, will fly in. You know, he's been receiving cancer treatment mm-hmm. um, in, in the New Orleans area. Um, he will be flying in for that vote, and then we should be able to win. And then, of course, we got a big we got a big election tomorrow, a special election in in the George Santos seat, um, where we have Maisie Pillip, uh, an amazing uh, uh, immigrant from uh, from Ethiopia, a Jewish uh, lady who is uh, Jewish American, who is is our candidate against uh, a former Democrat who's now running again. So let's hope we win that special election. I've had a chance to see Miss um, Pillip, and she is just an amazing candidate, amazing person. All right. Well, thank you for the update on that. I appreciate that. And, uh, and Godspeed to Steve Scalise coming in and uh, and hopefully able to cast that vote mm-hmm. and get right back to treatment again, whatever it is that he needs. Uh, two other yep. questions I wanted to ask you about the uh, about the FACE Act. Chip Roy has a FACE Act repeal act uh, that is being brought up for, well, that you want to be brought up. I guess you are calling on Speaker uh, Johnson to bring that up for a House vote. Can you tell us anything about that? Well, here's what's happened with this act is it's supposed to be used to uh it, it's supposed to be used in, in in both directions in other words so if if you have uh someone blocking an entrance to an abortion clinic and and and, and prohibiting someone for from going in they're supposed to you can use this act to prosecute that individual but it's also supposed to be used for the hundreds of pro-life uh, uh pregnancy centers that were um that were attacked in the aftermath of the dobbs leak the leak of the dobbs decision uh and the dobbs decision itself so, but it seems like it's only the the former who who this Justice Department really go after. And we we, we think about uh, Mark Houck, the 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 father and the pastor in in suburban Philadelphia area, who was prosecuted, went to trial, and and the jury acquitted him unanimously, unanimous verdict for, from the jury on 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 that case. It seems like it's always after the pro-lifers and not after the people who are who've been firebombing and and defacing and harming. Uh, crisis pregnancy center. So what we really want is like, look, if we're gonna if we're gonna have this law, unless it's enforce it the way it's supposed to be, or if you can't do that, then maybe we should get rid of it. Yeah, I think that's a that's a fair question. And then the last thing uh, is 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 a First Amendment issue. Um, you submitted a, and forty four others, I think, submitted an amicus brief yeah. to the Supreme Court about Murphy versus uh, Missouri, which of course is talking about uh, you know the Biden administration working with big tech, colluding. They love that word, colluding with them to censor Americans. Can you tell us any more about that? Yeah, we had a number of, of, of colleagues assigned on to a brief. We we we'd done this at the district court level. Uh, the, uh, the, the federal court level uh, before. Same thing here. Um, we just continued to find in our investigative work on, on the Judiciary Committee and the Weaponization Select Committee that the Biden administration was, in fact, working with big tech, big media, and, and, and in some cases, big academia to censor Americans. And the latest one we found is they were pressuring Amazon Books to take down books. You know, it's funny, the left always, the Republicans are book banning and all this. But, but, but the truth was, it was the other way around. Well, what Republicans do is they said there's age-appropriate level. You know, there's certain books that are not appropriate for certain for, for kids. So age-appropriate uh, books is, is how we look at, at things. But the Biden administration was actually trying to stop and ban books on Amazon. For goodness, if it just disagreed with their narrative on COVID or the elections or whatever issue it happened to be. So, um, yeah, we had a number of people sign on to this amicus brief, and we uh, we've submitted that to the court. 
Well, Congressman Jordan, it's a lot of very important work that you guys have to do this week. Uh, I appreciate you coming on with us, as always. Keep up the great work. We'll talk to you soon. Great. Take care. Thank you, sir. That's Jim Jordan on AM 1420, The Answer. We get him uh, every single week. I don't know if anybody else in the country can uh, can claim that. It's really, really important for us because we get answers from the chairman of the Judiciary Committee about some really important things that he has going on, and he gives us inside information and a look at things that we can't get otherwise. So we really appreciate him and his entire team for making that happen each and every week. Um, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm blown away blown away by the fact that 14 Republicans did not sign on for the Israel aid package and said, well, you know, it's about making sure that it's all paid for. I get that. I do, and I understand. Uh, we have $34 trillion in debt. Uh, we are operating this country right now under the uh, Biden regime on a, on a $2 trillion operating deficit. Uh, believe me, I don't want to give away. But the money that has to pay for it isn't going to be cut. The money that should be cut in order to pay for important things like supporting our friends in Israel, um, that that's not the money that's going to be cut. And I'm talking about Democrat progressive uh, pet projects, and I'm talking about Michelle Obama Park, and I'm talking about you know you know what I'm you know exactly what I mean. Every time when the budget comes out, we end up highlighting and featuring so many you know hundreds of thousands of dollars or tens of millions of dollars for just woke progressive crap that is an absolute waste of taxpayer dollars for a country that's uh, that's you know 34 trillion dollars in debt you get to spend on luxuries after all look if your house payment is late if your insurance payment is late if you don't have enough money to put gas in your car are you really Going out to the movies and spending $150 uh, for, for the family of four to go out and get a bite to eat and go see a movie? No. After the necessities are paid for, if there's extra money, then you go ahead and spend it on the luxuries of life or the, you know, the entertainment side of life and so on and so forth. We don't get to, you want to build these ridiculous homages to left wing and, and, and progressive people and, 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 and satisfy their little pet project needs? Fine. If we weren't in debt $34 trillion, we got to make our, our, our priority, get our priorities straight and make our priority payments, if you will, first before we start talking about giving out any of those other little luxury projects. It blows me away. That that's the attitude attitude of the uh, House Republicans. All right, we'll take a time out of here at the top of the hour. On the other side, we're going to come back and talk to the superintendent of schools in the state of Oklahoma, Ryan Walters. Why? Well, because it matters. He's speaking for a lot of other states that are not border states, but are directly impacted by the unchecked flow of illegal. To get a complimentary copy of Dave's book and a complimentary consultation, call eight seven seven Gains for You or more Tosh by name. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Darkness. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France. All right, into hour number two we go. It is six minutes after 10 o'clock on this Monday, the 12th morning of the month of division in the year of our Lord, 2024. So every Thursday, 
When we talk to uh, Dr. Everett Piper, as you know, he's uh, one of our leading generals in the cultural war that we did not start, but we absolutely must win. He speaks often of uh, praise, with praise, of uh, this Oklahoma State Superintendent uh, Ryan Walters uh, from conversations they have, from things that he's written, and so on and so forth. Well, Ryan Walters is uh, being very vocal. You know, it's funny because, well, it's not funny, it's um, important to note. When we say that every state is a border state now because of the close to 10 million illegals who have come in just in the three years of the Biden regime, we mean it. We're feeling it up here in Ohio as well. But the states that are the border states of the border states, in other words, states bordering Texas and Mexico, Arizona, California, certainly are feeling it much more directly. And that includes Oklahoma. So Ryan Walters has been very, very vocal, speaking in opposition to the what a lot of us were calling the Invasion Authorization Act that was taken up last week which the Senate Republicans sided with the Democrats in order to try to send to the House, um, which would essentially allow 1.8 million illegals into the United States every single year, uh, 5,000 each and every uh, month. Um, And, uh, you know, and that would, of course, even closing it after that would take some specific actions by the director of or secretary of Homeland Security. You know, the guy who's being impeached for not taking care of that business. At any rate, um, that bill is a disaster, and Ryan Walters called it. Such. And it is a complete failure. Joe Biden is getting everything he wants with this bill. He is going to get an open border. He is going to get fentanyl pouring across the border into our schools. The drug dealers love this bill. Illegal immigrants love this bill. This continues to make America a lawless country. We have to stand firm against the Biden administration. In Oklahoma, it's clear. Oklahomans want the border shut down. We want to ensure that we do not have drugs pouring across the border. The fentanyl pouring into our schools has got to stop. This has to stop. The Democrat Party has to stop undermining this country. And we have to stand firm against these efforts of Joe Biden and the radical left-wing Democrats. Yeah, I would concur. And it is a complete failure. It is that. I concur with uh, Ryan Walters. He is the Oklahoma State Superintendent who joins us now with more on AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, Mr. Walters, good to have you on our program here in Ohio. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, sure appreciate you having me on. Yep, Dr. Piper's a good friend, and I'm glad that you guys work as close as you do together. He is yeah. fantastic. We are very proud of him. Yeah, we hooked up many years ago when his uh, first book, or excuse me, actually when his letter came out. Uh, you know, this is not a daycare. Uh, and uh, then he turned it into a book, and we started talking on a regular basis. And now he's been a, a weekly guest on this show. He's on every Thursday for the last, I don't know, four or five years now. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal leader. And he speaks very highly of you. And I can see why, uh, because your point on this is huge. What is What is the biggest concern that you have with the state of uh, illegal immigration in this country right now. Is it the fentanyl and the drugs, Superintendent Walters, or is it just the overwhelming number of individuals who are coming here that we simply cannot manage, especially considering how many resources they use? That's a great, that's a great question because both are, frankly, existential threats to what we're trying to do here in our country. The first of, of just having this many illegal immigrants pouring across the border, the um, pressure that is applying um, to the citizenry, to our taxation system, um, to our schools. Uh, it's, it's enormous. It continues to grow as you see this population continue um, to get larger and larger. You know, the fentanyl is one that we have particularly honed in on here in Oklahoma in our schools. Give you a quick statistic. In 2019, we had 50 deaths from fentanyl in the state of Oklahoma. So 50 deaths in 2019. In 2022, we had over 600 deaths from fentanyl. 
12-fold increase. And what you continue to see is, as we know, the fentanyl is just nasty. We know the vast majority, we've seen multiple studies that show over 90% of fentanyl deaths can be traced back to the fentanyl coming from across the border. So uh, what you see here is, again, you're talking about kids in our schools. We're talking about schools being overrun. Um, but number one, number two, it, it's, it, I mean, they're basically given a golden, golden pass to drug dealers to go, hey, come peddle it to our kids. And we have kids dropping dead from this. And I don't know what it's going to take before Republicans finally wake up and understand re- the country is tired of an open border. We don't want compromise. We want a closed border. It's not that complicated if you really want to do it. Well, when you say, what, what will it take for the Republicans to wake up uh, to that reality, what do you mean by that? Well, what I mean is we saw a deal, you know, frankly, that was cut by our own senator here in Oklahoma, Senator Langford, that gave away the House here. I mean, it literally gave Biden the ability to say, listen, this, you know, hey, you know, we'll, we'll put some caps here and there, but, you know, it'll really come into play after 5,000, um, enter into the country during a given day. They still give the secretary the ability to override that. They then, frankly, this is one of the, the things I think that we've really not, uh, I, I've heard discussed a whole lot, is they also move the appeals court. So all the appeals from the border go right up to that D.C. court, which, frankly, by the way, is the D.C. court that put all the January Sixers in prison. So that's where they're rerouting all these immigration cases. So how do you think that's going to go? And it's just such a, it's so terrible to see Mitch McConnell, send James Langford in there to say, hey, cut this deal and just, you know, get a deal done with Biden. And they gave away the farm. And it's just and so for me, when you hear that, I mean, I cannot believe that they have abandoned an issue that the base could not be clearer on. Close down the border. Don't empower Joe Biden. Just demand that he close down the border. Don't give him excuses. Don't give him a compromise. Tell him you're shutting down this border or all these deaths are on your hands. Yeah, that's uh, that's a great explanation. We're talking with Oklahoma State Superintendent Ryan Walters this morning about the impact of fentanyl uh, on his state and, of course, illegals who are coming across into uh, every state in America, but particularly the ones who are being sent to uh, blue sanctuary cities. You know, you hear these mayors complaining and crying and so forth that they have to provide sanctuary for the people that they designated themselves as sanctuary cities to provide sanctuary for. Now they're complaining about it, and they're blaming Republicans. It's kind of the reason I wanted your clarity on what you meant by that. They're blaming Republicans and saying that, that it's the Republicans that are holding <laughs> up a deal that will actually provide them some relief. Can you can you tell me what message you have for those blue cities and states in which uh, that are being overrun, why they're going to Republicans and not to the one man who, by executive order, on, Feb- on uh, January 21st of 2021, put all of this in motion? Right. Look, first of all, you know, it's amazing. The Democrats even know. I mean, even folks in their own party are going, this is unsustainable. So they know that this issue is solely theirs. They have a president that has been given. I mean, there were so many uh, immigration bills passed years ago that have, frankly, completely empowered a president to shut down the border. You saw what President Trump did when he was in the White House. So uh, Joe Biden has no less power than Donald Trump did. And look what President Trump did on the border. Okay, but number two, it is amazing. Democrats are great at dictating to the rest of us laws and rules and never having to live by those same rules and laws, don't they? Hey, you guys can't have any guns out there in, in uh, you know, red states, but, you know, hey, we'll have a full security detail and live in a gated community. Hey, you guys, open borders are great, but you know what? We've got this gated community, and we'll make sure that no, no immigrants come over here. Well, what happens when they have to actually live 
by their own uh, laws and their own rules. You know, there's no there's no Democrats near the border. You know, they're not running the gubernatorial seats near the border. So what what happens when they finally get a taste of what immigration is doing to our cities, to our towns, to our communities? Oh, they want no part of it. And and it's just laughable for them to try to blame the Republican Party, who literally President Trump comes into office, his top issue and starts to shut down the border, and we see this drastic turning away of illegal immigration, and they have the audacity to try to turn this on Republicans. It's laughable, but they know. They know most Americans, not even, I mean, Republicans, of course, but I'm talking middle-of-the-road, independents, uh, more conservative-leaning Democrats are going, hey, guys, th- this is just common sense. What in the world is going on? Yeah, well, it depends really on where they're getting their information because the media will provide as much cover as they possibly can for the for the Democrats and for the Biden regime and blaming it on Republicans. Um, I wanted to ask you, you because know, I kind of gave you a two-parter there at the beginning. Is it more the drugs you're concerned about or just the sheer numbers? Because in a lot of cities, it's the sheer numbers. Um, what have you seen in terms of Oklahoma, Oklahoma City or Tulsa or Norman or any of your larger cities in the state? Are you seeing a massive influx of illegals, and how are those particular places handling housing, medical care, school, and so forth, the way they're dealing with in the Chicago's and Denver's and, and uh, you know, in New York and the other big blue cities? Yeah, we absolutely are. And, and, and you're right. You have the housing issues. You have hospitals with the issues, schools with the issues. And you, know, you also have the problem in a lot of our schools of, you know, you're having to staff up folks who can translate, who can help, you know, make sure that these kids can, can understand what they're being taught. And I'll, I'll tell you, you mentioned some of our large cities. We also have small cities that have really, I'm talking, when you look at the percentage of the school that we believe to have, to have illegal immigration now, we have some of these smaller districts that are over 30 or 40 percent. And because it's just, you know, you have these, these groups of illegal immigrants that all kind of move to a certain part of the state working in a certain industry. And all of a sudden, this school's population will increase, you know, 50 percent in a year or a year or two. And it's just, it's incredibly um, taxing for the taxpayers of those areas. But then you also look at school personnel. How do you get people who can come in here and and make sure to to uh, you know meet the needs of all those kids? And it's just going. And you're, obviously you're not getting a tax base out of it. And so yeah, you know our big cities are ob- absolutely struggling with it. But I will tell you, it's, it's hitting rural uh, Oklahoma as well as we see those pockets um, throughout the state. And again, it's something we're very very concerned about as it continues to stretch resources in these in these areas to uh, to try to keep keep up. We are talking with the state superintendent in Oklahoma, uh, Ryan Walters. You know, it's interesting that you're you're doing a lot of public commentary on these kinds of things and talking about how they impact, yes, Oklahoma, but we are talking about bigger picture stuff uh, with respect to uh, immigration. It it I can't help but wonder, uh, do you have your eyes on any bigger spots or uh, elected offices uh, that you might be thinking about? No, you know, right now I'm I'm focused on this. Um, I'm, I'm getting our schools back on track. You know, I was a public school teacher. My background. I'm a parent, four kids. We've got to get our education system back on track. You know, frankly, I've been working with the Trump team as well, helping him get reelected. And, and I and I've seen his vision for where our, our education system can go. We saw four years of it. I truly believe it's an existential threat if we do not get our schools corrected, where our kids understand what made America great. We can never make America great again if you can't understand the core fundamental principles this country was founded on, our history, learn from our history. We're going to have a citizenry that, that frankly, cannot keep the constitutional republic in place. As Benjamin Franklin said, it's a republic if you can keep it. Part of if you can keep it is a true understanding of our voters to understand what does history tell us 
about what creates a great society, what creates a good form of government. How do you keep it? How do you protect individual rights? Where, where are the basis of these rights? They come from God. They're inalienable. You know, elected officials can't take them from you. These are things that, frankly, as I work in our schools, these are absent. These are absent from an educational process. We have to get back to a true understanding of American values in our schools. I believe if we don't get this right, we're not going to win elections in the future. We're not going to have a country in the future. So I am, I am very focused on ensuring that our education system here in Oklahoma is the best in the country. But frankly, we start turning the entire country's education system around. You know, obviously, I don't know much about the Oklahoma public school system that you oversee. But I, but I just, based on the way things here in Ohio uh, and from the stories that we hear nationally and a lot of other places, I just have to ask you, can public education be saved from wokeness, from uh, grooming, from, you know, the, 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 the constant uh, challenges that teachers and parents, well, I should say many of the teachers are not involved in this, but the challenge that parents face from teachers who are hell-bent on indoctrinating and not educating, and from board members that get in the way and provide cover and to try to limit the impact that parents can have. This is a national issue, as you well know, uh, but I'm kind of curious, as a superintendent of public schools in Oklahoma, um, can public education, big picture, be saved? It absolutely can. Let me tell you, we're laying out the blueprint here in Oklahoma. Number one, what we did is we passed uh, legislation and rules that, that institute parents' rights. Parents have the ultimate right in our schools. It is their kids, not the government's kids. It's the parents' kids. Parents have right to see what their kids are learning. No, no teacher can talk to kids about sexuality or transgenderism. They have to talk to the parents, not the kids. Um, and parents have full school choice here. They can choose whatever school they want. That's first. Secondly, what we started to do with my agency now is we are holding individuals account- accountable who are pushing indoctrination. How do we do that? If we find that a teacher is breaking our laws and our rules on pushing indoctrination, we take their certificate. You can't teach anymore in the state of Oklahoma if you do that. You can go get another job, but you're not going to indoctrinate our kids. Number two, we hold the districts accountable. If districts push wokeism, if they push left-wing indoctrination from the administration down, we will take their accreditation from them. We have had multiple districts. We have already pulled their accreditation back because they broke our rules and our laws and we're indoctrinating, not educating. We said, look, you're not going to be a school anymore if you continue down this road. So we have actually put teeth because, you know, leftists, they don't care. We pass good laws. They try to get around them anyway. You have to have hold these folks accountable. We've done all those things. We are now moving. We brought PragerU into every school in the state. We are working to continue to build up and beef up our math and English standards, we do merit pay. So guess what? If you are, you're a high-performing teacher, we'll pay you more. We've run this teachers' unions out of schools. We told them, you're not coming into schools and praying on our kids anymore. Teachers' unions out, parents in, accountability. And we actually use free market principles like merit pay, like signing bonuses for high-quality teachers to get them in the classroom. This is the blueprint. This is how you get education back on track in this country. So... How did that go over for you when you brought PragerU? <laughs> because I know how the left feels about PragerU. You actually brought it into the curricula in Oklahoma. Tell us about that. Oh, yeah. So, you know, uh, we've been, I've been working with them for a while on some of their curriculum, their content. I think it's excellent. They do such an incredible job. And, oh, when we announced that, the teachers' union and the left just lost their mind. And I kind of kept going out there, and, you know, I, you know, the media was just attacking me. And I go, okay, show me what's so problematic. Like, like pull it up. Show me. Like, what, what in here is so such a problem? Well, you start digging into it, and they don't really have anything. It's, it's just the typical, you know, they just want you to be told George Washington's a slave owner, and he's bad. And heaven forbid you get the whole picture, right? They just want you to – they want to fully lean into this critical race theory belief that 
every part of our founding is embedded in racism. And, and PragerU doesn't do that. It's, it's not left-wing indoctrination. It's very, it's very straight up. It's very transparent is the other thing. One of the things I kept telling the media, I go, hey, guys, let me tell you something. The unique thing about this, too, every lesson is online. Every parent in the state, and I kept saying this on camera, I go, parents, pull it up yourself. Look at it. You can see every lesson, everything that's available. And guess what? We started getting inundated with parents. Go, I love this. My kids like it. They actually want to know. And, you know, I've been showing my kids. I was a teacher. I showed it in my class for a while. Um, it's great curriculum. It's great content. But the left, I'm telling you, most of these videos are five minutes. Think about what a threat it is for a leftist to just just five minutes of history with no left-wing indoctrination, and they lose their mind. But it does show you what a, what a grip they have on education, that, hey, they don't even want to give up five minutes of classroom instruction <laughs> to a non-woke <laughs> curriculum. You're exactly right, and and I love it, and I love that you you pulled that trigger. That is such a great thing, and it does trigger them quite literally. But moreover, it just provides the balance. I mean, I would take great joy in it just by watching them melt down, but it, it really does. It's not right. It's not like you're trying to... Uh, Superintendent Walters replaced left-wing indoctrination with right-wing indoctrination, but just to counter it and say, here is a view from the other side. And in fact, it's not even the other side. It's just more of a balanced look at the issue with points that are not being made by the, you know, curricula that is um, uh, being put forth in, in all of these classrooms, you know, right now. So, you know, providing the other side is not indoctrinating the other way. It's really just trying to get a balance, right? That's right. And, and you know, what's amazing to me is, uh, also, this is something I've hyper-focused on as a history teacher. Look at how much they've driven primary sources out of our schools. They're not reading the Federalist Papers. They're not reading James Madison's notes from the Constitutional Convention. Now, they want you to read what a professor wrote about it in the 1960s. Well, there's a reason for that, because they don't want kids to just sit there and read down through it and, hey, come to your own conclusion. Do you like this? You know, let's, let's get the context. Do you understand where it came from? Let's Let's do a deep dive. Let's think about why people, you know, let's read both sides. Let's read the Federalist and Anti-Federalist Papers. Let's read some sources coming out of Great Britain at the time, and let's kind of piece all this together. No, no, no. The left doesn't even want kids reading that. What they want, no, 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 no. I've got this, you know, this professor from the 1960s. I've got this curriculum that was developed in the 1970s. I'm amazed at how much of it comes back to that. Is they bring out these left-wing professors, their view of history, and they put it in the classroom. And it's like, guys, first of all, it's insulting to the intelligence of our kids. And I was a history teacher. We read through all the Federalist Papers. We read line by line. We studied it. We tried to figure out the context. Where where, where the philosophy that they based this on? What's the historical uh, references being made here? We do, Kids are smart. They can understand this if you push them. But the reality is, is they don't want them to learn it because why? They want to be able to push an agenda. They don't want kids to be exposed to what the founders actually said. They want it viewed through a, they want it viewed through a left-wing prism of critical race theory and anti-Americanism. Yeah, I think that's very well said. Last question for you. Do you think that every American student should have to pass a civics test to get a diploma? Absolutely. We did that here in the here in the state of Oklahoma. We passed that law a couple of years ago, and the reality is, is we've got to... Why do we have public schools? One of the biggest reasons, you can go back and you can read in the early 1800s, it was to develop a group of individuals that could make sure to keep the country going. you got to understand a constitutional republic. What's the point in having elections across the country if, number one, you're not a moral, virtuous people? Washington talked about this. Franklin talked about it. So moral virtue. Number two, you've got to understand the way the system works. You have to understand why it's inherent, or else you're going to have you know people take a free election to go vote in a dictator. Well, you don't want that. So you've got to have that con- con- conceptual understanding, that historical context, that comes with understanding our history. It is so important. 
We will not have a country if this next generation doesn't understand that. And remember what this next generation is facing. The most radical left-wing agenda in our nation's history, telling them there's 27 genders, telling them all this kind of nonsense. We've got to get that out, and we've got to get back to a true understanding of, of this constitutional republic and our values. I think that's very well said. State Superintendent Ryan Walters from Oklahoma, thank you so much for speaking uh, what so many of us need to hear and for sharing it even outside of your state. We certainly appreciate that. Say hello to Dr. Piper for us next time you chat. Absolutely. I will do that. I appreciate the time this morning. Thank you so much, sir. Appreciate it. That's Ryan Walters, State Superintendent in Oklahoma. We'll take our time out here. We're going to come back to the local scene now. Northeast Ohio, particularly five counties, is under... I don't know if I would call it a threat, but maybe that's the right word for it. If you have not been following what NOACA is trying to do to essentially take away the right, your rights as one of five Ohio counties, Northeast Ohio counties, um, and, and your elected leaders to make decisions on how you live your life and how we, uh, run our counties, um, you're going to want to hear this conversation. We're going to talk to former Geauga County Commissioner. Pay for by NHTSA. Keeping you informed, the uninformed, always right radio with Bob France on The Answer. Okay, it is 1036. We continue on this Monday. Appreciate you being with us. Thanks again to my guests so far. We had a great conversation with Ryan Walters. In hour number one, we had a conversation with Jim Jordan about everything that is going on on Capitol Hill. Uh, they're going to revote to impeach probably tomorrow. Hopefully get it done. It's not going to go anywhere in the Senate, but a message needs to be sent. Make no mistake about that. So that's going to happen tomorrow. Obviously, they're fighting on the SAFE Act, or excuse me, the FACE Act and more. Uh, so if you missed that conversation, it'll be available to you about an hour after the show ends, around 1 o'clock-ish at whkradio.com. Those interviews are good ones, as I expect this one will be as well. So uh, let's welcome now, as promised, for those who don't know much about NOACA, uh, it just, I mean, just a super basic primer, the Northeast Ohio Area-Wide Coordinating Agency um, is an unelected body that is essentially running the show instead of your elected officials for five counties, or at least they want to. Um, there was a meeting that was held last week, or beg your pardon, last month, um, in which citizens from all five counties impacted by NOACA got together <clears throat> to say we will not allow our lives and our property be, properties to be ruled by unelected bureaucrats in an effort to implement what many are calling the U.N. Agenda 2030, where we become subjects essentially of a socialist regional government. NOACA has partnered with a globalist Marxist organization uh, to write a climate action plan for the United States that is going to be adopted by NOACA and used, uh, used to um, essentially lord over you what you can and cannot do, what products you can and cannot use, and more. So we needed to get more information on this, so we reached out. I reached out to Jonathan Broadbent, because Jonathan Broadbent has brought a lot of this to my attention. Jonathan Broadbent is the founder of Unwoke Investing, and uh, he is with us this morning on AM 1420, The Answer. So first to Jonathan. Jonathan, thank you for coming on with us. How are you this morning? Good. Good morning, Bob. Thanks for having me back on. It's always a pleasure. And then Jonathan said, Bob, the person you really want to talk to is former Geauga County Commissioner Skip Claypool. He's a former NOACA board member, and he knows exactly what this organization is doing and what they're capable of doing. And so I said, yeah, let's do that. And so let's welcome Skip Skip Claypool to the program now as well. Skip, good morning. It's good to talk to you. How are you? Good morning, Bob. I'm great. 
So I appreciate you both coming on. Um, so this is, um, you know, there's a, quite a loud hue and cry from a lot of people who know what NOACA is all about and what they're trying to do here. For those who do not know, Lake Geauga, Lorraine, Medina, and Cuyahoga counties are the counties impacted by NOACA and this climate action takeover plan. So first, Skip, give me your background as a former board member of NOACA. Uh, give us your experience with it and tell me why you are speaking out against what they're trying to do right now. Um, thanks, Bob. I appreciate it. Yeah, I was um, <laughs> elected uh, commissioner in 2014, thereabouts. Mm-hmm. And um, But even before that, I was woken up to NOACA uh, and what they were all about. At that time, they were spending more time focusing on transportation. When I became a commissioner and I got to see, look behind the curtain, so to speak, um, I could see that there was a lot more that they were wanting to do. They were taking the, the the camel's nose under the tent and trying to expand that. They did something called uh, NEOSC, which was Northeastern Ohio. Uh, uh, oh, I forget exactly what that acronym stands for. But it became um, E-NEO 2050, mm-hmm. which was a regional plan um, for economic development, land use planning, and so on and so forth. And so I posed that and fought that and, and uh, for a long time because their uh, federal mandate does not include that kind of activity. The um, Council on Governments, which is what they are, um, decided that that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to have a broader impact on our lives. So they created this big regional plan. And most recently, now they've taken that one step farther and they tried to do, they're trying to do this global climate change plan. And I defy anybody. I mean, Bob, tell me how we could do anything in our region to impact the climate. We've got a global climate, and I don't think that there is one thing we could do, but that's their claim. They're going to uh, improve the environment and improve the climate. So how are they selling that? How are they selling that, Skip? They're having these meetings, and they're they're, they're talking to commissioners in all of these counties and so forth, and they're pushing this. What is? Because I agree with you 100%. How are we going to control the climate from our little corner here? What exactly is their selling point? Well, it's about money and power. And I have to make one slight correction to an earlier statement you made about them being unelected. The board members are, are elected. The problem is I don't elect Cuyahoga County elected officials. I don't elect Medina or Lorraine or Lake County officials. So while they're elected, they're only elected by the constituents in their unique uh, areas. And so this, this combination, this hybrid uh, council on government, which is basically controlled by Cleveland. So make no mistake, it is they've got there's 48 members on this board, and if every county combined their votes, they couldn't override Cuyahoga County and Cleveland. And so well, that's a good point, not- and it's a good clarification, by the way. Yeah, they're elected to their various counties' boards. You're, you're right, I get that. But the organization, OACA, to to ride over five counties with with whatever decisions that they make, that's not elected. There's not a five county elected board uh, where we have all chosen. Yeah, this is who I want to ride over all of us and make all of these decisions for us. That's the reason yeah, I, 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 I don't have any influence over the majority of the people sitting at that table, and and they've connected in with they're, they're part of a much bigger picture and we don't have enough time in this call today to get into a lot of the details okay. but long story short they've connected in with an organization called ICLE. ICLE was a spin-off of the united nations who created 2030 back in the um this agenda 2030 back in the the 60s and that was our government bought off and that the liberals in our government bought off on that and it's basically about power control all of this climate action plan effort is just about money. It's about money and power and control. 
for them to be able to control what kind of car you use. And so you're tr- seeing them push this electrification of our country. And by the way, the electric vehicle is the worst of the vehicles. Um, hydrogen uh, vehicles are far better solution to the problem, but they won't let free enterprise drive. They want government to make the decision. And that's p- part of what this climate action plan is about. Government deciding, you know, can you use a gas stove, not use a gas stove? Can you, right. you know, what, how much, how, how small of a trickle do you want to come out of your shower head? And things like that. I mean, they want to stipulate how we live, where we live. They want to have walkable communities. They want to have, you hear these buzzwords, these terms, sustainable community. That term came out of the United Nations Agenda 21 effort, which is driven by a bunch of global Marxists who want to control us. And we see that through the, the World Economic Forum and all these various venues. And so that's where this came from. And whether okay. they're aware of it or they just hear about it because or they're part of it because they get training through the governmental agencies and the EPA and all these other Go look at ODOT, or not ODOT, the Department of Transportation at the federal level and see what their programs are all about. The Department of Transportation is using a huge amount of your tax dollars, the 18.5 cents a gallon tax dollar, to drive the boat. They're pushing the electrification. They're pushing remote driving bulk cars and and tracking systems within your cars. You can see that within their strategy if you look at their long-term strategies. Well, that trickles down to our state Department of Transportation it trickles down further to our MPOs. There's 17 MPOs in the state of Ohio. And don't you think it's fascinating that the federal government mandated these metropolitan planning organizations for populations over 50,000, which is all the big urban areas. Why do you think that is? Those are the population centers. So if you can control the population centers in a state, which, by the way, there is a Tenth Amendment that says, and that's not in the enumerated rights in the Tenth Amendment. So... Um, there's a lot of this stuff being pushed through um, the various federal government agencies down to our local state agencies. And, boy, I'll tell you what, the citizens, we can make a difference. We can push back. We made a huge difference when citizens decided to get involved with NOAC and push back some of this nonsense. Um, but we've got to stay on that. We've got to keep well, citizens engaged and inform the citizens of what's going on and, and keep them um so that they they actually take control of their lives. Yeah, that's very well said. We're talking to Skip Claypool. He is a former uh, Jaga County Commissioner, former board member of NOACA, and we're talking to Jonathan Broadbent as well. Jonathan, is uh, Jonathan, you exemplify exactly what he said. Citizens uh, need to step up and act. You are an activist. You are a leader. You are the founder of Unwoke Investing. What is your understanding of this climate action takeover plan, and what is it going to mean not for Cuyahoga counties but for the other counties that would be considered more rural? So, Bob, first of all, it means a lack of our urban, uh, peaceful, uh, sort of uh, relaxed lifestyle. But I want to bring it back to one of the key points that I keep pressing on this thing. Skip mentioned that it's all about power, money, and control. I've mentioned something called Rule 144 before. Rule 144 is... um, is the requirement that our elected representatives disclose their portfolio and financial holding. I don't know if you're, if you're aware of this, but you want to guess who the second leading uh, investment portfolio performance is among our members of Congress? It's uh, Dave Joyce. Really? Dave Joyce's investment portfolio. I'm going to loop this back around and bring it back to skip points. 
Um, but Dave Joyce's investment portfolio, according to most recent disclosures, was around 13% return on investment. So imagine for a moment that you're in a position to be able to predict the buying habits and purchasing and behaviors of an entire demographic and society. You can, you can capitalize on that by investing appropriately. And uh, what's, it's actually there's a term that we use in, in the world of finance called painting the tape, where you can actually predict where people are going to go, how they're going to behave, and invest to capitalize on that. That is at the root of all this uncertain, a big part of, of NOACA and organizations like it. They push certain agendas and behaviors, and then politicians can predetermine and invest appropriately. So you look at, let's look at batteries, for instance. This whole strip mining thing, and, and you probably have seen some of the uh, reports of child labor all over the world in places like Nigeria, where uh, they're strip mining for rare earth minerals in order to make the batteries, which are then made in China and then shipped all over the world. Don't even get me started with how lack, uh, how greatly uh, non-green that whole thing is. But, but imagine for a moment that you are a big investor with billions of dollars and you're able to predict that market and invest in those companies and buy those properties before the earth, rare earth minerals are mined. You can make billions of dollars that at the end of the day and i i want to insert um a great appreciation for skip claypool and people like him who take the time to dig deep into places like noaca but to me it's indicative of big government approach to manipulating society controlling what we can and can't do and where we can do it and when we can do it because they can then capitalize on that with their investments that's the whole purpose. Oh, let, me, let, me, uh, let me tag team with you, Jonathan, on that very point. So I, I uh, challenge people to go out and look this up on Dave Joyce's, um, some past press release, on that he had sponsored or co-sponsored a bill having to do with CO2 uh, scrubbers. So there's these devices that are literally stuck in air and try to take the, the plant food out of the air. CO2's plant food. And so he was supporting having government fund the companies that do those devices to scrub CO2 out of the atmosphere. I think it's ridiculous, but if government's investing in that and he knows about it or elected officials know about that, think about the amount of money. It's a little Solyndra kind of an event. Um, and, and by the way, another activity that NOAC is doing to bring this back to NOAC a little bit is um, they're starting a transportation planning effort now throughout the region where they're trying to determine um, how it is that people are going to get to work and to get around. In Geauga County, we're a very urban area. We don't depend on buses to get around or public transportation. But they want to foster that or push that idea and that concept into the rural areas. And to that extent, uh, Lake County is now combined with Geauga County from a transit standpoint. You see, you start to see things start to come together that you might see a unique one-off events, but they're not. They're actually connected. Jonathan, did you want to follow up? Yeah, I mean, and it skips right on. Those are things that make money. And the more money you can pass through government, the more, uh, what's the, the term that I want, the, the less likely it is that you can ever unwind it and put it to bed. If there's private enterprise, 
if there were like a private groups that decided they wanted to introduce busing, if busing fails in <clears throat> Geauga County, and it would normally left on its own, then those people, their investment money would get lost uh, and that they wouldn't recoup their investment. But if you can attach it to government and somehow bill it as some sort of ecologically, environmentally uh, responsible thing to do, it'll live for in perpetuity. And every year there'll be millions of dollars flowing through it. And the people that can buy the buses, they can expand the roads, they can add additional lighting and all the things that surround just that one initiative stand to make unreasonable massive amounts of money on the backs of us taxpayers. And it's, it's outlandish and ridiculous. NOACA, to me, just bringing bring it back to NOACA, I, I knew a little bit about NOACA. I'd heard of them probably as far back as a decade ago, and I just assumed it was some sort of, um, I call them all greeny meanies, some sort of uh, you know, green initiative thing, and maybe it would help, and maybe it would build some bike paths or something. But over the last couple of years, as I've gone to these meetings, I've listened to what they've done, I've watched their behaviors, this, to me, is egregious. And I'll tell you, representative to other metropolitan planning organizations all over the country, we have 17 in the state of Ohio, 17 metropolitan planning organizations. NOACA happens to be the largest in Ohio, I believe. But I'll tell you, Bob, there was a guest we had on the Buckeye Patriot podcast a few weeks ago from North Carolina who's actually studying NOACA as one of the worst in the country. They are so far left. And it actually, it, in my mind, it likely connects to uh, Cleveland Mayor Justin Bibb's intention to make Cleveland the first 15-minute city in the U.S. That the, the amount of money, power, and control connected with that type of activity is awful. And we, the people, should do everything in our power to inform our fellow citizens and fight back against it. Well, I'm glad you said that, because that leads me back to Skip for a second here. And if you just turned us on, Skip Claypool is a former Jaga County Commissioner and a former uh, uh, a commissioner of, of uh, on the board of NOACA. And Jonathan Broadbent is the founder of Unwoke Investing. We're both talking about the threat of... NOACA and the Agenda 2030. Uh, Skip, you said before I turned it back over to Jonathan before that we as citizens can do something about this. Can you be more specific? What can we do? Yes. Um, so NOACA has, uh, they're required by law to actually have public forums and take public input. Um, interestingly, I made uh, three public information requests recently, and they've completely ignored those requests. Um, they're going to see some action here shortly, which um, it, it is what I'm going to be required to do because they're going to force me into it. But um, people can get involved. For a long time, when I was a commissioner, people didn't show up at the meetings. And so the board basically operated without any oversight, and there was nobody paid attention to what was going on. Um, over time, more people started becoming aware in the five-county region. Uh, and actually, I can tell you that the Medina County commissioners are probably the most outspoken. You ought to get them on your radio. Uh, about some of the abuses going on within NOACA because the Cleveland Cuyahoga County component of NOACA is abusive all the rural areas. Uh, they call us the necklace communities, and um, they want to control us, and they can't because they have voting power to be able to do that. They want to force all these big city urban ideas, which aren't working in the big city, by the way. Um, you know, if if people want transportation, they either get a job and buy a car and uh, and get around. They don't have to depend on empty buses and stand on any street corner in downtown Cleveland 
uh, Euclid or Ninth or whatever and see how many empty buses are running by you any given day. So, but the, and back into response to your question, Mm -hmm. we had, um, after the first set of climate action planning meetings in our rural areas, um, we had about 100 people show up at a meeting. That completely confused the NOACA board because they don't know how to respond. They're not geared up to be able to take public input. They say they want it. When they get it, they ignore it. But when they have that many people expressing a similar thought, they don't know how to deal with it. And so they made some adjustments, and now they're better prepared. But if people were paying attention, if they saw how much NOACA does that can impact impact their life and change their life, and NOACA is doing things they want to impact people's lives. And so if they realize that, maybe people would wake up and start going to their elected officials first. Go to your Geauga County Commissioners. Go to your Lake County Commissioners, Medina County Commissioners, Lorraine County Commissioners, Cleveland City Council members, the mayor or the uh, various villages and so forth that are on the board, and express um, input that would change the direction of NOACA. That would happen. If enough people stood up and started telling their elected officials um, that you either change what's going on in NOACA or you're going to be changed, then you would see a change in NOACA. The problem is most people are ignorant. They, they're busy with their lives. They're busy with their kids. They don't engage in politics. And so it's back to Plato, uh, Plato's uh, quote, those who fail to engage in politics are destined to be ruled by their inferiors. Um, that's a paraphrase. Um, Pretty accurate one. If, if, if people don't engage... <laughs> then they're going to be left with the people that show up. And some of those people are not good people. They don't have good values, morals, ethics, whatever. Um, We have good people that do show up. I don't want to take a slam at everybody. But we have some people there at that table who have an agenda, whether it's, you know, some self-serving. Now, think about this. Elected officials, generally speaking, use taxpayer dollars to make themselves look good. So they do things, then they pound them chest and say how great they are because they took your tax dollars, wasted it in most cases, on, on doing something. You know, they made some policy or procedure or whatever, so you can't drive a car in downtown Cleveland now. You have to take a bus. And then they'll pound their chest and say how oh, they're saving the world. You know, they're clean up the air, and it's going to be so much greater. And you you oftentimes hear about how much carbon they're taking out of the atmosphere, Um which is a completely ignorant statement. There's a difference between CO2 and carbon. Carbon is a black sooty stuff that um, is not CO2, but they conflate the two. And they want you to think because they're putting you're putting CO2 through your exhaust into the atmosphere, somehow you're mucking up the atmosphere with this black sooty stuff. That's completely wrong. I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that, Skip, because I've talked to a number of climate experts on this very subject, misrepresentation of what CO2 does, and you, as you correctly pointed out, it's plant food, for crying out loud, and how extraordinarily important it is to push back on this stuff. We're out of time here, gentlemen, uh, but super, super quick here, Skip. You said they're required by law, or maybe Jonathan said it, required by law to have forums, to have public forums. How do we find out when they are, where they are, and what people should do when they go to them? Well, they're, they're publicly, they're required to publicly notice their meeting. So if you look at, on the NOACA website, there's a calendar and the calendar lays out when their meetings are. But, okay. um, you'll see board meetings, various policy meetings and so on and so forth. And most people never go to the subcommittee meetings, which is where the dirt happens. But go to your local elected officials. Start with your local elected officials and let them know that when they sit on that NOACA board, if they speak up, many of them go in there passive. 
they won't speak up because for whatever reason they you know they're sure you know it's a herd mentality if i speak up then somehow i won't get my road dollars that i'm expecting to get back to my citizens well you're not going to get it anyway cleveland cuyahoga county controls everything and so if you expect because you them nicely you're going to somehow get some money back you're not Okay, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to jump in only because we're out of time here. Um, but I, I'm exactly where you said, and I want to steer people to noaca.org. Noaca is N-O-A-C-A, noaca, N-O-A-C-A, uh, .org. And there is a calendar, and it looks like their meetings are on Fridays, and those sub-meetings you're talking about are, uh, uh, like, for example, this Friday the 16th, Transit Advisory Council meeting, Bicycle and Pedestrian Advisory Council meeting, and Safety and Operations meeting. So all of these things are there so people can click on them, know where to go if you want to go and be a part of this and push back against this agenda. Uh, but thank you, well, gentlemen. There, but, but real quick, there's the Liberty Groups in each of the counties. You know, the Tea Party in Geauga County, the Liberty Group in Lake County. Those are good sources for information and, and places to go where you have like-minded country. Visit NationalGuard.com to learn more about part-time service. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. Of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. All right. Hour number three is underway at eight minutes past 11 o'clock. We continue. It's a Monday, the 12th morning of the second month, the month of division in the year of our Lord, 2024. Uh, rest of the show is yours, my friends. We had three really, really important conversations. One of them on the federal level. As we talked about issues facing all of us, uh, from with uh, Congressman Jim Jordan in hour number one, we spoke in hour number two with uh, Ryan Walter, state superintendent of Oklahoma, who is uh, one of the border states of the border states, talking about the real threat of fentanyl and other drugs coming into this country and the uh, record fa- uh, uh, fashion that they are in terms of amount and speed and so forth and how much it's going to impact all of our communities. Then we spoke uh, just uh, the last segment with Skip Claypool and Jonathan Broadbent about uh, NOACA, the Northeast Ohio Area-Wide Coordinating Agency, which, again, is it's a group of elected officials who are acting together in an unelected fashion with an organization that was not chosen to ride over uh, all counties, individual board of commissioner members who are voted are voted in only to make decisions regarding their county but they are making decisions for all counties in their uh, uh in that group in that regional organization so it's dangerous all in the name of sustainability all in the name this agenda 2030 all in the name 
as you just heard Skip and uh, Jonathan talking about, of trying to reduce the CO2 and claiming that it's to save the planet and so on and so forth, and all it really is intending to do is take away your freedoms, take away your liberties. It's not even close to being a question. It is all spelled out what they want you to do. They want you to give up your vehicles. They want you to give up your... They want you to ride bicycles or ride public transportation so you're not polluting, which means they have to condense and shrink everything into these 15-minute cities that you hear tell about all of the time you wanting to live in a rural more expansive place where you have to drive from place to place nope you are trying to kill the planet and they at noaca are going to stop you it's extremely important information share it with people that you know who need to know all right so those conversations you can listen to them if you miss them at whkradio.com about an hour after the show but uh for now the rest of the show is yours 216-901-0945-888-281-1110 either one of those numbers gets you here we have so much that we can talk about and that we have been talking about and so much we haven't even touched yet as well um a lot of responses to that he gets us commercial campaign yesterday during the Super Bowl, trying to create woke Jesus, trying to create woke normatives that um, they say Jesus would approve of and so forth. The division of the black national anthem, uh, the retro RFK Jr. ad. I've got an RFK story that I want to share with you as well. Rhinos fleeing uh, Congress like Mike Gallagher after bailing or uh, excuse me, after uh, voting to uh, uh, not impeach Alejandro Mayorkas. Now he's bailing from Congress. Uh, We want to name those individuals. We are Tom McClintock, Ken Buck and Mike Gallagher. Uh, We've got more on Biden and uh, the left's meltdown that the special counsel's report said that he is completely feeble and uh, incoherent and uh, has a terrible memory, doesn't know when he was president, vice president rather, doesn't know when his son died, all of these things. They're melting down and saying that this is completely unfair. Meanwhile, they supported and defended the Mueller report. The Mueller report, which cleared Donald Trump, but they wanted to make sure that it was released so that anything negative about Trump in it would be released so that people could uh, know that he wasn't totally cleared. They just couldn't find enough evidence to convict him of anything. They want, they want to have their cake and eat it, too. They want it both ways, and it's absolutely ridiculous. So if you want to weigh in on any of those issues, 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110 or even off of that grid, whatever your your uh, choice. We're going to go to uh, Jason first, who's calling from Brunswick. Jason, thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Fire away. Bob, how are you doing this morning? Doing well, Jason. Good. So you just recap the show. You talked about federal, state, and local. Mm-hmm. I'm going to add one more thing to that, and it's going to be global. And I'm going to say that NOACA actually covers all four of those. Uh, NOACA used to complain about their funding coming through the state, and the state wasn't interested in giving them the money for their Marxist plans. Um, So luckily, uh, COVID came along, and that provided them with billions of dollars in federal funding to circumvent the state um, from the Inflation Reduction Act, as well as the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. So they are flush with cash. but I do want to talk about the overview of NOACA. And, and those two guys, uh, Jonathan and Skip, mm-hmm. are brilliant in explaining that overview, uh, where the money's coming from and, and who's funding it uh, and, and why. Um, so I think that's really important. But I also like to cover the local aspect of it. I think that's okay. important. Um, they mentioned the board. The board is made up of 26 people from Cuyahoga and Cleveland 
and then the remaining four counties have 19 votes. So they can essentially uh, vote themselves any piece of uh, the economies of those four uh, other counties. So that's important. Which is why it was um, important to me when I was talking to, to the gentleman about the fact that they're unelected. You know, Skip kind of said, well, they are elected. Yeah, they're elected to their own counties, but the Cuyahoga County contingent, as you just pointed out, of Nowaka, it has, uh, you know, ultimate authority over Lake, uh, Lake and Jaga and Lorraine yeah. and Madonna. I mean, they have no, they have no way to combat that numbers wise. Well, they like to point out the fact that it's a bipartisan group of elected officials. And I always laugh at the fact that uh, anyone would believe that uh, a mayor from uh, a Cuyahoga County suburb would, would side with a, a, a Republican over a boatload of cash from being involved with Cuyahoga County. That's just, that's just absurd. They're going to take the money every time. Correct. Um, so, you know, they talked about the mandate. They are mandated uh, to cover uh, transportation. Um, but when they start getting into air quality and water quality, that's where it gets interesting because you'll hear them change their language, just like Marxists often do. Um, they, they call that a responsibility. They have a responsibility for air and water quality. So uh, the devil's in the details, and if we let them get away with these ideas that a responsibility is a mandate or we treat it that way, the responsibility does become a mandate. So in the end, they, they can effectively... Uh, uh, broaden their jurisdiction if we allow them to do that. So I think that's really important. Um, again, local. Um, they talked about ICLE and ICLE coming in to do this climate action study or this greenhouse gas analysis. Who funded it? The Cleveland Foundation and the Gunn Foundation funded $100,000 for ICLE to come in and do this study. That study says that we need to reduce our greenhouse gases by 63.3% by 2030, and then reach net zero by 2050. Um, who, who sits on the board of the Cleveland Foundation? Who sits on the board of the Gunn Foundation? I mean, these are some of the richest, the richest uh, people in town, uh, developers. Um, geez, I think the president of the Cleveland Foundation, at the time where they awarded this grant for ICLE, I think that he was also the CEO of LEADCO, the Lake Erie Energy Development Corporation, who does what? Oh, they build windmills. So that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Yeah, that sounds uh, um, that, that sounds. Um, uh, for those who don't know, uh, I think the Cleveland Foundation is a, a fifteen-member board, and and they are so radical. Um, they voted Bernie Moreno off of that board, fourteen to one. Bernie being the only vote for himself there when he would not go along with some of the things you're describing right now. When he opposed um, so many of the different agenda items that you're talking about right now, they're not all specific to greenhouse gases or what have you, but uh, but uh, uh, and 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 funding ICLE and all of these other things we're talking about. But just overall, a general big giant progressive bent that he pushed back on, and they voted him off of the board. Uh, so and, they, and they, they really don't want any. They don't want any pushback. They don't want any uh, anybody to challenge them and their authority to to advance this agenda. Uh, you know, they're talking about the Clinton Foundation, and I don't know as much about the Gun Foundation, but I can tell you that the Cleveland Foundation, this is what they do, and that's who Nowaka is turning to, as you just said, for funding that we need to know about. Can I tell you a little bit more about them? Sure, go ahead. They they funded Chris Ronane, right? Again, this is this is global. We, we watch all these farmers. We watch all these transportation, the ultra-low emission zones over in, in, in London. All of this stuff happening globally. Well, where do they get those orders from? Well, they get those orders at these conferences, whether it's COP27 or 28. The, the, the Cleveland Foundation sent Chris Ronane, and then they simulcast it for Justin Bibb, okay, 
to, to be part of these organizations. And then they That's come huge. back. They come back here, and then we start ultimately implementing the stuff. Now, who is slated to be NOACA's next president next year? Chris Ronane. Who's going to follow him? Justin Bibb. Okay. This is, those guys with their overview is fantastic, but you have to realize it, the thing that's going to motivate people is, is getting them uh, tuned into the fact that it's happening with the names that you are aware of. You've got to read the news. Do you, have a, a do you have a site or anything, Jason, because you are obviously very dialed into this and people could really benefit. I mean, I'm glad you're calling me and, and we have people listening to you right now. But if they want to recall this and if they want to share this with others, do you have where, where do you where do you gather your I'll, I'll give you an email. Out? I'll give you an email. Okay. Uh, they can email me at uh, the truth about NOACA and OACA. So the truth about NOACA at proton.me. If they have any questions, I'll be happy to help them with it. Um, right. There's just, you know, the one, a couple more things, if I just could. Seth, write so that sorry. down. So, so so, yeah, I just want to make sure we save your information as well in case we need to talk about this again, which I'm sure we will. But uh, but I want to make sure that we have that. The truth about NOACA at Proton.me. Last thought, Jason. I want to get some other people. Okay. On. Lakewood Climate Action Plan. If you want to see what their climate action plan is going to look like, you've got to go look up Lakewood Climate Action Plan that already exists. Now, interestingly enough, you can find it on their website, but they hide it. It's very difficult to find, so you have to navigate for it. Uh, it's, a, it's a Google document, but you, there's a reason why they hide it, and you'll find it very soon after you start reading this thing. I mean, they talk about the jobs. They talk about getting rid of natural gas, and the amount of jobs that are going to come through Lakewood are going to be um, in retrofitting houses. So that's either solar panels, um, that's putting in uh, electric heat, mini splits, stuff like that. Uh, they're going to get rid of a lot of jobs. Um, they talk about how many jobs this is going to create, but we're going to we're going to kill the HVAC industry. Yep, we're going to kill the totally. auto mechanics industry. We're going to kill all of this stuff. And, and what are they? What do they want to do? They want to have approved contractors that they're going to work with. Now, so you're going to have to be vetted, and because there's going to be federal money involved, now you're going to be subject to vaccine mandates. Everything that the federal employees that are subjected to, because now you're taking federal money. You're going to be on the hook for that as well. So this is how they branch out, and they affect us on the ground level. And people need to wake up because this is on the ground now. Lakewood Climate Action Plan. Lakewood.gov, well, whatever yeah, their Most people is. don't know anything about these things, too. So I'm not going to denigrate anybody by saying, you know, wake up. Uh, if, once you're first aware of it and then you go back to yeah. sleep, I, I agree with you. Uh, but now that they're becoming aware of these things because of what Skip is doing and what uh, 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 Jonathan is doing and your phone call and your organization there with Just Say No to Noaka, uh, or I'm sorry, what's it called? Uh, just the, the truth about Noaka. The truth about Noaka. It's really important that people, now that they are aware of this, that they do act on this. Jason, I got to go. I appreciate the call. Thanks very much. I do need to get some other people on the air, but there's a lot of really good information that you just shared there, and we will indeed pass it along as well. Uh, we're going to go to um, Strongsville. Gail is on AM 1420. The answer next. Hi, Gail. Go ahead. Oh, hey, Bob. Yeah, I'm going to be real quick. I'm watching my little toddler grandson. Um, great show today. I'm so glad everybody's talking about NOACA and that Jason guy was awesome. But I just wanted to bring something up in case you missed it. Uh, yesterday, uh, the Puppy Bowl, which is aired before the uh, Super Bowl, uh, Destination Cleveland ran an ad uh, to, you know, basically promote Cleveland and tourism to Cleveland. And uh, it was cute, except they had to put in there, of course, Bob, a snippet with a drag queen show. I'm not making it up. 
as part of De- as part of Destination Cleveland's ad to get people to yep. come here, yep. come and see a come and see a bunch of grown men dressing in women's lingerie. Yep, it was very quick, but they had to put that in there. Not the arcade, you know, not Little Italy, yeah. not our beautiful cultural gardens, but yeah. Well, this is what normalization looks like. Yeah, they wanted this to look yeah. like, hey, you know, look at all of these great things here. This, 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 as if it's just normal and not an outlier, as if it's normal and not something that's degenerate and perverse and that's inappropriate for, for kids and families. You're trying to appeal to a family uh, uh, audience, I would imagine, that is watching a Super Bowl or a Super Bowl pregame show or the puppies. I mean, yeah, right. what draws what draws kids to a screen more than puppies, for crying out loud? And then show that as if this is just normal. This is okay. I didn't see it because yeah. I didn't watch much of anything yesterday because it was more kind of a personal boycott type situation. But um, but I'm glad you told me because you're exactly yeah. right. The, the, it is it is an attempt to normalize uh, and and make it seem like this is just a okay. It's business as usual around here. It is disgusting. Yeah, thanks, Bob. Thank I you, hope Gail. People will get in contact with them and tell them what they think. I hope All they right. will as well. I hope they will as well. And you know what? I'll I'll th- I'll throw myself out there onto this, uh, Seth. Uh, see, see if you can get sent in from Destination Cleveland out to talk about the content of their ad on the Super Bowl or the pre- the Super Bowl pregame. I'm sure it's just a local ad, uh, uh, but uh, but yeah, Destination Cleveland. Let's find out why was that included as a part of the Hey Come and Come and Visit Cleveland, see the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame during the day, and go see a bunch of perverted dudes with beards and and. Uh, uh, lingerie on do dances at night. Uh, really? That's the message? Okay, let's talk to Destination Cleveland. Let's go to Tiffany Broadbent. How about that? We get a pair of Broadbents today. We got Jonathan on with Skip, and now Tiffany wants to come in and have her say on Noaka as well. Tiffany, good morning. Good morning. How are you, Bob? I'm great, thank you. What, uh, what, what do you have to add to this now, Tiff? Well, I'll be brief because okay. uh, the guests were awesome, and that first caller, Jason, was fantastic. Yeah, he was. Um, but if your listeners who want to go to a website where there's questions and answers about NOACA, uh, information like what is an NPO anyway, how did it start? Hey, hey, t- it Tiffany, can, hey, Tiffany, can you pick up because it's on speakery and I'm, it's echoey and I can't hear you. Yes, one second. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that, especially since you're about to give me a website that I want to write down uh, and I want to be able to hear it. Okay, is that better? Much better. What's that website? Sorry about that. It's uh, fortifiedgiaga.org. So it's a Geauga County site for uh, mm-hmm. grassroots conservative activists. Um, fortify as in to strengthen, F-O-R-T-I-F-Y. Mm-hmm. And then Giaga, that's a hard one too, G-E-A-U-G-A, fortifiedgiaga.org. We have lots of different aims. I'd love to talk to you, uh, talk about with you another time. Uh-oh, did we lose her? She got. She had a word cut off there, and now I don't think she's there anymore. I think we may have lost her. Okay. Oh, are you still there, Tiffany? I I am. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you broke. You broke up. You had a glitch there. I don't know what happened. The call dropped for just a second, but I'm glad you're still here. Okay. So I have so fortifiedyoga.org open open right now. Go ahead and pick it up from there. Yeah. Yes. And then if you if you're on the computer across the top of the page, we have all these different um, areas. One of them just says Noeka. I and see. If you it. click there, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, we put a ton of time into putting up all the information we could. Uh, Skip and John were both mentioning the, the Medina County Commissioners and what a great job they've done. There's some materials at the bottom of that page mm-hmm. that they've sent out that are worth reading. Um, and like I said, lots of questions and answers and links so that people can take time to digest it because it's, it's, it's you know, it's a high information voter kind of thing. <laughs> 
I'm, book, I'm bookmarking this page right now, I, and not just the Noaka page. I'm, I'm bookmarking yeah. Fortified Geauga because you've got a lot of very important messages just on the homepage. I'm looking at some of the There's articles, recent posts. Conservative yeah. is not a dirty word. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Mean, you, you got a lot of ground covered here with local government, uh, 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 Jaga County, the party, and so forth. And then I'm looking at the right. Noaka link in particular. And yes, there's a lot of great information there. So I'm so glad you're sharing this. Great. Thank you so much. And if you ever want to talk about anything else that's on there, let me know. I will do that. Thank you, Tiffany. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks. Tif- Tiffany Broadbent, uh, that's Jonathan's uh, uh, lovely wife and uh, obviously equally important in the activist movement to try to protect against some of this stuff. Uh, so thank you to both Jonathan and Tiffany. Uh, we'll take a time out here. If you're on hold, stay there. I do see you, and I will come to you. If you are not on hold yet, you should be. So get there at 2 one Choose AmeriCorps. Giving you reason in the age of unreason. Always write radio with Bob France and The Answer. All right, 11.32, as we continue, final segment on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks again to my guests. Thanks to some great callers. We'll continue those right now at 216-901-0945. By the way, a little uh, breaking news story. Not that it's enormous, but you know how angry you get and I get at these idiots who block the shoreway? Or they'll get out in front of in other cities, you know, they're blocking the, you know, the uh, Brooklyn Bridge or, or, you know, inroads to Manhattan or tunnels and all these idiot oil protesters and so forth. And we always want them arrested. Really, what we want is for somebody to bring a snowplow and clear the place that way. That's what I want. Uh, but arrested, I will take, and they, that doesn't even happen. Well, Georgia Republican Representative Mike Collins is introducing legislation tomorrow that will make the intentional obstruction of interstate highways illegal. The Daily Caller, I thought there was, it was illegal already, but maybe not at a federal level if it's an interstate, interstate highway. Uh, the Safe Passage on Interstates Act. The bill is is a House companion to Florida Republican Senator Marco Rubio's legislation in the Senate. I didn't know about this. That would specifically make it unlawful to knowingly engage in an activity on an interstate highway with the intent to obstruct the free and normal use of the interstate highway. Good. Throw all of their little happy protesting A's in jail and uh, make sure they stay there. Until they come up with big bucks. Make it really, really high bond to get them the heck out or fines uh, so that they think twice about doing that nonsense again. It's so dangerous. It puts people in jeopardy, not to mention, obviously, commerce being put in jeopardy when people cannot use those roadways. So good. Throw them all, throw them all in jail. 216-901-0945. Sally is uh, waiting patiently in Berea, and she is up next. Hi, Sally. Go ahead. Hi, Bob. You mentioned our divided country. And after 2020, it's true that the growth of accusations, ridiculous, of systemic racism and the growth of DEI issues. But also it started way before that with the de-emphasis of English as our spoken language. Language is is the force that unifies a country. And now people don't even need to learn English. Everything you push a button, do you want English or another language? Instructions are printed out in different languages for healthcare plans and, and products. And it's, it's not even, um, necessary to have this unifying force in our country. And if we don't turn things around with this election in November, 
we could lose the country that our founders um, instituted for our republic. That's it. Thanks, Bob. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I don't disagree with you. The um, uh, I used to get really, really angry, I don't know, 20 years ago, whenever I started seeing... Um, you know, uh, press one for English and two for for Spanish on uh, ATM screens. I was like, what the hell country is this? What do you mean? Why are you asking me that? If you're a Spanish speaker in this country, whether you be an immigrant or anything else, um, you, you learn the language. You know, I mean, I don't go if I, not that I've ever been, but if I ever wanted to go to China, if I ever wanted to go to, uh, you know, Japan, and I don't know why I think the Asian languages would be the most complicated just based on the, you know, the, the, the alphabets and the way they're written, and I couldn't understand it, I wouldn't expect it to be written in English. If I went to Moscow, I would expect it, whatever I see, to be in Russian, and I'm going to have to learn my way. I'm not going to be, um, you know, having them cater to me with my own little thing. And it bothered me because it made it seem like she just said, you know, it's like, you know, you don't have to learn to speak English to get along. Well, when you don't, you, you, you do create a division. There just is. If you can't communicate with one another, if we can't communicate with one another, um, then we're not going to be able to understand one another. If we don't understand one another, we won't be able to accept one another, won't be able to work with one another, won't be able to become friends with one another, and so, so on and so forth. And one single unifying language would do that. I think she's right. It is a big part of the division. Thank you, Sally. Uh, Tony, South Euclid. Tony, go ahead. Yes, Tony from South Euclid. Yes, sir. Hey, listen, uh, quickly, um, your your guest today, I think that's uh, phenomenal. And if you can, if you're able, uh, you know, maybe on some filler times, you know, you guys uh, uh, run the station. But maybe on Sunday or some filler times, you could repeat those. Those are Those are really good conversations. And maybe maybe you can work something out. With well, the I don't. Yeah, I don't program the station as far as those kind of things. I don't disagree with you, though. You know, oftentimes we'll have replays of some of our nationally syndicated shows or portions thereof. Um, I will say that we will use them on best of shows so that people can hear them. But the biggest thing is that I tell people is if there's a great interview like that, an important interview with information you don't have and most people don't know about Noaka, um, the, the the best tool we have is the podcast. Podcast because you, anybody wants to go to the website and grab it and click right click it copy it and send it to anybody they can watch it on their own phone or computer as well and with the directive from somebody they know saying hey this is important info you need listen to this interview so that's what I would suggest Tony I mean you're not wrong we could play it on other days too but but certainly send it to people go to the go to whkradio.com and the always write uh, podcast page there and you can just right click that interview or that 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 day's show and uh, paste it and send it to anybody you want okay and also i want to just mention real quick about thank you for that i wanted to mention real quick about the the, the sheriff of Tiger county now that that's an appointed position where it used to be a voted position and somehow uh they got it changed over and now it's appointed by uh the county um you know solution i always like to come up with some type of solution you know let's get petitions out like they got petitions out and people to sign and let's get a change back like like it's supposed to be. I mean, this I worked for the sheriff's department, and all the things that I've heard lately, there was always problems here and there, of course, but uh, there's really some real severe problems with the change of sheriffs and the change of staff. And uh, I tell you what, I commend those, those people when I worked for the sheriff's department. They really had it uh, up to snuff, and, and now you just hear terrible things. It's just out of control. 
Well, so I would like to go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish your thought, Tony. No, no, no. I just wanted to say I, I think we could do that. Um, you know, of course, like the the one gentleman mentioned. You know, we don't have time. We got kids. We got things to do, and it's tough. And I and I know it is to, to put your two cents in and go to these meetings and everything. But you know, maybe somebody could get started that uh, the younger generation that's. Uh, uh, you know, conservative or Republican, get some of these petitions out, get a petition out, and get this stuff changed over. Yeah, well, I completely agree, particularly about asking the younger people to do this. Uh, it, it's so important if there are young conservatives, they need to become active, because I promise you, your progressive counterparts are. And the reason why, sadly, and thank you for the call, Tony, and for the information um, about the sheriff's uh, situation, but... Um, particularly because the the young progressives are being created in the schools and then being encouraged by their online influencers to be active. I mean, you would not believe, and they're being paid also, which is a tough thing to try to overcome. You would not believe what my Twitter feed looked like Thursday night, Friday, uh, and, and even through the weekend, after Biden did his little, uh, uh, no, I'm the most qualified person in America. I know what's going on. I'm an elderly man, but I know what's going on. His defiance of the special counsel's report. It was like uh, a tsunami of of Gen Zers, the young Gen Zers, who I believe are either bots or they are people, but who are paid to go out there and post the same exact messaging. A word or two different here or there, so it wasn't obvious, but the same exact messaging about how proud they are of their president. And he is, uh, he is qualified. He is the right man for the job. And then this is a hit piece by the, by the special counsel, politically motivated. And you just look at all of them. They're all young, you know, Late teens and 20-somethings, young high school and college students, or, or mid-20s, the ones who are just out. And they're all out there trying to pretend like, no, this 81-year-old really speaks for me. <laughs> the left is very active, is my point in getting the younger generations out there and engaged. I'm not saying we should pay, and I'm not saying we should create bot accounts to do the to do the uh, you know the opposite side. But young conservative-minded people, young conservative Gen Zers who have you know been able to withstand the indoctrination, who have fought back and pushed and fought off, uh, you know what they're what what you know what they're trying to do to them and their mindset. You've got to go out there and share it, man. You've got to go out there and be vocal. You've got to go out there and be visible, whether it's about the sheriff's uh, race or the sheriff's uh, appointment and so forth or anything else. The young people do need to get involved because the left has their young little next generation of, of Marxists ready to go, and they are active. Uh, wow. Sorry about that rant there, Tony, but it's well said. Charlie is uh, next. Hey, Charlie, finish it up for us. Hey, Bob. Good program. Thanks. Uh, talking about the, the immigration system, I'm, I'm looking at what, what change in America or change in the world? Cell phones. 20 years ago, the world was big. Now the world shrank. Like, it's down to, you know, it, there's no such thing as a long-distance phone call. Every every illegal a- alien's got a cell phone, and they're talking to their friends around the world. Come on, come on. We've got to revamp the entire system because it's the world's changed. We've got to stop these magnets of, of a job. They can't have a job here. They can't send the remittance back. We've got to stop all this. They're, you know, they're, 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 we've got big problems. We could have billions. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.